0: Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message.
1: Hello. I see some familiar faces in this room. Javen's actually one of my students, so... Hello. Um, but um, yeah, so thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really excited to, to be here. Um, I really feel like God's given me really um, just a word for y'all um, that I'm excited to share. Um, as I share about this, um, this topic, I think it's up there, maybe not, um, but breaking cycles. Um, as I share about this topic, this is a topic I'm really passionate about. Um, because this is a topic that God has worked just so drastically in my life and in, through my story. And so I'm excited to share that with y'all today. Um, I have a question for y'all. So this is a, a really uh, difficult question, uh, at least I think it is. Um, when I was asked this question, I remember, um, I remember uh, going through this thing called PTO. Um, it 's called Pildy Onion, um, and pretty much what it is it 's like a spiritual recovery um, program and As we started this program, that was kind of the first um, the first time we gathered um, to really get into the program. This was one of the questions they asked us um, and so the question um, is, when did you realize this world was broken and not right? So kind of just thinking through that, um, when was that moment for you and so I can imagine for everyone in this room um, as a child, more than likely i don 't know what age that was or when that was, but I can imagine that you had that moment in your life as a child where maybe you saw something, um, maybe you saw your parents fighting, maybe um, you know you experienced some type of abuse, maybe it was being um, someone. making racial slurs to you or family members, maybe it was violence, maybe it was something, but we all have a moment um, that we can maybe recall if we let ourselves go there, that we realize that, wow, that was that moment for me that I realized that this world is evil, this world is broken, this world is not right. And so just to kind of start off um, a little bit about my story is when they asked that question, Um, I sat there, I remember, and I just started to think through, um, you know, but for me, it wasn't hard to identify that moment because I remember when I was eight years old, um, I had a a cousin who pulled me into a restroom and sexually abused me. Um, So you can imagine being an eight-year-old little girl um, and, um, you know, having a family and having... Um, you know, siblings and a father and a mother that loved me and feeling safe, feeling protected. Um, You can imagine being a child and, um, you know, being in this situation and that really messing you up. Um, For me, when that happened, um, that definitely caused a lot of shame in my life. And that opened me up to something um, that um, I didn't quite understand. Um, and it's funny how that works out because when we're children and we experienced, maybe some of us didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up in, in that. So I didn't really hear about, you know, the word sin or, you know, I didn't hear about really the stories of Adam and Eve or really understand that. So as children, I mean, even looking back then when we experience things or we see things, we might not understand it, but deep down in us. Because that's why the, God's created us. You know, God's created us for us to long and desire him. So it's hard when those things happen for some people, most people, we don't know why we feel the way we feel. We don't know why we feel ashamed. We don't know why um, we, we maybe blame ourselves or we hide. Um, and so, um, so yeah, this is, so I hope you can really maybe let yourself think of that moment for you. Um, and so, but... The thing is that if we go back to the very beginning, um, God created everything, right? God created the heavens, God created the earth, and then God created man and he created woman and he said that this is very good, right? He said this is very good. When God created all of this, God created it with no disorder. There was no death. There was no um, chaos. There was no pain. God created us to, with him. And and you see that from the beginning with Adam, and you see that with Eve, and the, when he created um, created them, that's that's what he offered them. And obviously, from a lot a lot of you in here probably have heard, um, but because of the the choice that we have, um, the free will that we have that God gave us, um, something went wrong, right? And and so what went wrong was that they chose what. Their flesh and what they, they wanted um, to be like God. God said, Do not eat from the, the tree of knowledge of knowing good and evil, and yet they did, right? And so, this is kind of what, you know, as I talk about that moment for us, and we see through the story of, of Adam and Eve, it says in the scriptures that that their eyes were opened, right? After they ate from this tree, it said their eyes were open, and they and then once when they were unashamed, they didn't have clothes, then they looked at each other and they felt a shame come over them and they hid. And so we see that with again that moment in our lives and as children or as teenagers, whatever that is for you, where our our eyes are open to the reality of sin and the reality that this world is a fallen, broken world. Um, and one of the things that we see is that, you know, this is this is the disease, right? Sin is the disease. And one of the things that you don't, I'm sure Homer could, I mean, who, who has children here? I'm sure some of y'all have children. I know Homer has a child. But you don't have to teach your kids how to lie, right? They just lie, right? They just lie. You don't have to teach your kids to say, I mean, kids, when they get their toys immediately, they're like, it's mine, right? It's mine. And so you see that. I mean, that's something that we are, we are born into. Um, and so um, that, is, that, is, that is the problem. And so the symptoms of that and kind of like what I've shared in my story of going through sexual abuse as a child Um, A lot of those things introduced me to a lot of more things, a lot of more painful things, a cycle. I didn't know this um, um, then as a child, but later in life, um, which I will get to, um, once I got older, I didn't know that sexual abuse was actually something that happened pretty frequently in my family, that it happened to my mother it happened to my sister, it happened to my grandmother, it happened to my aunts, it happened to cousins. I mean, this is something in my family that was happening from generation to generation. And yet, and then this thing obviously happened to me. And so, I don't know for you and what your stories are, or maybe what you've seen or gone through, because the reality is, like I've been sharing, this world's broken. And I don't, and we, some of us might have had parents um, that you know have taught us and loved <coughs> us and taught us the ways of God that doesn't dismiss us from from you know experiencing sin, experiencing brokenness and so I don't know for you if maybe in my family I've seen um, addictions i've seen you know I've seen alcoholism being something. Um, maybe for you that's that's violence, maybe that's even like fear. Um, there's a lot of things that can happen um, recently. I, um, I've been really passionate about learning more about um, just uh, trauma, and that's a topic for me that I've been through trauma, so for me it's something that I've been trying to understand and I'm hoping to get my degree in counseling um, soon um, and being able to do that, but something that I've been able to learn is about this thing called the ACE Study. I don't know if anyone in here has ever heard it. If you're with Youth for Christ, you heard me train on it already so sorry, but uh, but a, the ACE study stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And what this study, what this study shows is that our experiences as children um, or in our developmental years, so from, you know, our, since we're born to 18, has a lot to do with, you know, us as adults, the way that we view life, the way that, you know, the things that we even struggle with can stem back to that. And in this study that's really, really interesting. Um, there's this one part of the study that really amazed me. And this, this part of the study talks about generational trauma or um, generational um, health problems and mental illnesses that can get passed on from generation to generation. And in this study, what some scientists, they went and had these, these, these uh, mice and they went and they would introduce cherry blossoms to this, this group of mice and every time they introduced the cherry blossoms to this group of mice the mice they would do something to cause kind of chaos or scare them so every time they introduced a cherry blossom the, the mice would just kind of go crazy and freak out and they would do it over and over again well these mice had children and so, as these mice have their children, once they got these cherry blossoms and put them in the box with the children, the children never being introduced to cherry blossoms freaked out and they went crazy, right? And so, and we see that with our own lives and our own families, possibly, in your own stories, that there's there's trauma, there's, um, there's things that can get passed down from generation to generation. Um, I would say that something we hear often, I don't know if anyone in this room has heard of this, but sometimes we can, people can hear about generational curses. That's something for a while that I kind of started to look into and read about and study. And I was actually going to go that direction with this whole talk. And as I was preparing, I was like, oh my God, I don't believe in a lot of what people say about generational curses. Because a lot of people will think that I am this way because my sin is because of my mom. It's because of my dad. And two problems come out of that. One problem is justification. It's like, oh, well, I am this way because my mom and my dad, so that's okay. That's just the way I am. Or it's like, it's kind of like this, um, this, um, you know, like I'm doomed, you know, like this is just – my, you know, my, my struggles, my story, and kind of feel hopeless, right? And so, what I, but what I've realized through generational curses is that it really comes back to our first parents, which is what, the, what I shared at the beginning, which is Adam and Eve, right? That is the generational, you know, sin or curse that we have, but what y'all get to is that we have opportunity through Jesus Christ, which is a game changer. So that's awesome. But, um, but anyways, so all that to say, when it comes to even my story and just when I had to get to a point in my life, so I shared a little bit about the sexual abuse I went through. Um, and through that, that really affected me as, um, as a young girl that led me to, you know, addictions to pornography to masturbation to struggling with my sexuality to, struggles with partying and and drugs and just everything and it really messed me up and as i um, got into college a lot of the things that i was doing escalated a lot and i got to a point when i was 20 um, when i was 20 years old that i had found out that i had gotten um this std called HPV. and when i found out i had that Um, At that point in my life, I was already kind of at a rock bottom, you know, I was in college, I was living it up, but I was completely lonely, I was completely broken, I was depressed, I hated myself, and once I found out I had this, God didn't cause me to get this sickness that led to pre-cerebral cancer, but he allowed that in my life based off my choices, based off my own sinful nature, and based off that, that is what got me to a point of crying out to god for the first time in my life and asking to have a relationship with him um but after i made that choice for years i did life alone right i made a choice to follow jesus but i got into a toxic relationship with a guy that i was i thought was my husband and all of that fun stuff but it ended up being very toxic very verbally abusive and I was afraid of going to um, getting involved with community because I felt like if people knew my story, they wouldn't accept me, they wouldn't love me. And so for years, I just kind of ignored what was really going on in my heart. I never really understood that I had a story. I never really understood what healing looked like or how God can actually set me free and and heal these parts of my life. Um, and so in that i had this relationship with christ and then i went into full-time ministry uh, which is what homer shared i work with youth for christ and when i was about 24 i went into ministry and i had been following jesus for a few years now but after that i i went into ministry i went all in i started to see kids their lives change it was like the most amazing thing god was using my story i started to be bold but then I got to a point where I started to see these unhealthy habits in my life surface. I started to see that all I was doing was putting Band-Aids on my problems and on my, the things in my life. I never was really dealing with the root issues in my story. And so, of course, like anything, things are going to surface in our lives. And I'm sure you've experienced it in your life already. But I started to experience you know, um, the questions of, like, is anyone ever going to love me because of the things I've done, you know? Am I, I'm not gonna be able to be a good wife one day, like, probably gonna cheat on my husband, you know? Like, cause that's my, that is what I've done in the past, you know, or I'm not gonna, like, I'm afraid to be a mom because, you know, like, what if my kids turn out like me and the way I was, or, you know, all of a sudden, even my lack of boundaries with, with people, like, I didn't understand how to have healthy relationships and I always got myself in situations where, um, I would just, like, dodge people because I was so insecure and broken. Does that make sense? So I got to that point, and, and, um, and I realized that I needed to seek help. I needed to receive the healing that God had for me. And so I'm going to share with you a story about a woman in the Bible. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard this story. I'm sure maybe you've heard about it. Um, but this story was really impactful for me once I got to a place of realizing I need, I need help. Um, because what I, what, I, what I learned and what, I, what God spoke to me one day was, you know, I was living in this mindset as a victim. And I was so just like... Angry with like, why does this have to be my story? Or why does my family have to be broken? Or why this or why that? And God spoke to me, and God was really showing me, and He's like, Audrey, this can be a step, you your story and your relationship with me can change generations that come after you. This can impact your children and their children. And so instead of sitting in that, in that and thinking, woe me and why me through my through my strength and my power that I can use you to not only change your children's lives because I believe that God is going to do that through me as a mother one day but even generations that come after that God cares about that God created us God created family God says that he's four generations and oftentimes we just see what what's in front of us and there's this woman in the Bible named Rahab And I don't know if you know the story, but just kind of giving you some of the context of the story of Rahab, I'm going to kind of give you just a kind of a synopsis of the story, Um, is there's this woman um, named Rahab who's a prostitute or a harlot. She lived in this place called Jericho. At that time in the Bible, in the Old Testament, Jericho was a place that was um, just these people were doing the craziest things, like they were worshiping idols, their hearts were completely turned away from God. Um, and, and this woman lived in this place. Well, kind of what led up to this story that we're going to go into today um, is God had his chosen people. God had the Israelites, right? Um, they were in slavery, and God called this man named Moses to go and lead these people out of slavery, right? And so God, God uses Moses. A lot of crazy things happen. God takes, um, uh, uses Moses— they get out of Egypt, they're out of slavery. But what could have happened in a few days ended up happening in forty years because of the Israelites and the fact that they couldn't trust God to be God. And when things when things were good, they were like, Yay, God, God just rained manna, God rained bread, and now we're not hungry. Now we don't have you know, we have food. And then when things weren't as good in their eyes, they would turn and worship other things. And so so through that, um, you know, God used Moses and it got to a point where they're finally, after forty years of trying to get to the promised land, um, they're finally gonna make it. And God tell at this point Moses dies and his right hand man was his name this guy named Joshua. And so God calls Joshua to go now and he's and he tells them that he's gonna lead the people into the promised land, but they have to go and God's gonna overtake this city called Jericho. Well and I don't have time to get all the details right now, but um And so these two, so Joshua sends these two spies to go into Jericho and kind of just see what it's all about. And so they go into Jericho, and this woman who's a prostitute named Rahab sees these spies, immediately just acknowledges and knows that these men are men of that that are men of god and she knows you know what her city has turned into and sees these men and believes and you'll see this as we kind of go, break down the scripture a little bit she sees these men and she knows that these are men that fear god and are of god and so she goes takes these spies in she hides these spies from um from the king and the people that want that hear that they're spies in jericho she hides them and goes and, and lies and tells the king that they went somewhere else, and so just you know they chase them that way or think they are. And she and she and she tells these spies, you know, because I've helped you, will you save my family? Will you spare the life of my me and my family? Because she at that point is acknowledging God's power, God's the God. She's even acknowledging that God has done crazy miracles. And so she's asking, will you spare our life? And these two spies agree. And they say, if you tie a scarlet cord at the window, when we come back and we def- take over the city, then we will, we will save you and we will save your family. And so immediately they leave. And what does she do? She doesn't even wait. She goes and she ties that scarlet cord outside um, and they leave. And then time goes on. They come back and sure enough, before they overtake the city Joshua goes and makes sure that those spies go and make sure to get Rahab and her family and then Rahab and her family is saved and which we're going to get into in a little bit but which is crazy is that Rahab is actually in the genealogy of Jesus you see in Matthew where it talks about the genealogy of Jesus it says Rahab's name because Rahab was actually the great-grandmother of David who David in the Bible was known as a man from God's own heart he was a I mean he had his, his struggles and his issues, but um, but he was a man that is very respected and, and, and wrote a lot of you know even in the psalms and whatnot. so anyway, so God used this God used this woman, which is mind blowing and this woman was a prostitute, she was a harlot and so um, and so yeah, so that 's a little bit of Rahab's story, but what I want to share, I want to talk about four points today through that story. And just kind of like the how. So I've talked to you a little bit about, like, you know, that moment in our lives where we're, we are kind of awakened to the fact that this world's broken. And I kind of shared a little bit about, okay, so why? Why is that? Well, obviously, God created this us and created us to kind of to have, to love him, to know him, to show him. And obviously, sin happened. Um, and so then, but in our stories, we all have stories how do, we, how do we go and use our, our stories and use that as a stepping stone for not just ourselves and the change that, that God can do in our lives through Christ, but also in our children, also in the people around us, also in our families, also in the generations to come? Like, Let's not just think about what's in front of us, but thinking about the future. Which is awesome that we have that opportunity, and so one of the things I will say um, through Rahab's um, story is is uh, repentance. Is that I mean, t- for any of that to happen, is the number one thing is is repentance. It is that you know um, that fear of God uh, when Rahab is in um, when she sees these um, these um, spies. Rahab immediately acknowledges that she fears and understands God. She refers to God not as your God, but she says the God. Um, and, and she goes back and she acknowledges everything God has done when he split the Red Sea, you know, to save the Israelites. And she's going and, and sharing that when this miracle and that miracle. And so she's acknowledging that Rahab, um, that, she is, that she is a woman that understands and fears God, and also in that in that story, Rahab goes and ties the scarlet cord. And I don't know if y'all know this, but the scarlet cord is symbolism to, of Jesus. That's what it is. It's a red scarlet cord. Um, if you remember in in the begin in um, the book uh, where they're um, in the Israelites when they're going and they're killing off children, they tell them to go and put a red mark on their door, and that. The angel that that, the angel of death that's killing will pass over and the Passover and will not kill. And so you see that as a symbolism of Jesus. And you see Jesus all over the Old Testament. And, And so that scarlet cord is that symbolism. And so just knowing that Christ is the cure, that Christ is it's only through his power that we can see our lives change, but also that we can be that stepping stone for the people that are around us and people that come after us. Um and so that act of repentance um is is the foundation of any of that. Um and the fact that y'all are here today, I just want to acknowledge that, shows that God is obviously working in your life. I don't know where you're at in your faith, but I do know the fact that you're sitting in this seat is that that God has obviously called you and is working in you. And maybe I don't know where you're at today with that. But just knowing, I just want to encourage you that, like, that God is a God that pursues us. And the Bible says that God is the one that God chose us. We didn't choose him, but he chose us. So he chose y'all. And y'all are in this room. And so I just want to acknowledge that. Um, And so, um, and also, so there's a verse. The you have the verses? Um, In, let me see, Romans 5.17 that I want to read. There we go. So, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. I love that scripture. And I just think that, just seeing that, you know, yes, you know, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death. Um... But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. And so I think that is, that is the answer. <laughs> that is the foundation of anything that we do. Um, and so that act of repentance. And so next thing that I, I want to I hit on um, is that act, I mean, the act of like acceptance. This is a really, um, this part is really like I guess what excites me because this is something that God really had has done in my life. Um, But I do want to say that, um, you know, with, with Rahab is Rahab knew that she was a prostitute. Obviously Rahab knew that she had that reputation, even though she knew this, Rahab still went and reached out to the spies and said, Hey, like, let me help you. Right. She could have let that, you know what she's known as. Stop her from doing that because of the fact that you know, especially these are men of God, and she knew that. You know, there's so many things that could, would cross my mind if I was in her position that would stop me from even saying, "Hey, can like, can you help me?" Um, and so I think that that aspect is something that um, that I've learned in 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 my story is that sometimes we are so um, in denial. You know um, about the things in our lives and our stories. And I think that there's so much freedom that comes in when we can just accept that this is our story and this is the things that have happened to me. And these are the things that I've seen happen to the people around me and it sucks. And I think there's nothing that we can't go back and change the things that have happened. We can't go back and change the circumstances that we've been born into. That's just the reality. But there's a freedom when we can accept that. And I shared in my story that, you know, for, for a few years, I really lived in that mindset where I kind of made my identity the fact that all the things that I've done are all the things that have happened to me. And I lived in that place. I was a victim. I blamed people. I blamed others. I blamed God. But I, I see that when we can just accept that this is what's happened or – we can own our stories, but also see that as a victory and and walk in that, then not only, again, are we changed, but the people around us are changed. Um, And so um, something that that I wanna share that I think is a pretty um, powerful story um, is that um, my mother, my mom and I um, have a really great relationship. Um, we, She's a lot of fun, she's crazy, but she's incredible. Um, my mother um, did the best she could do as a mother. And I think sometimes, and, I, and I, maybe you need to hear this today, is before our parents, our mothers, our fathers, the people that raised you are that person, I mean, they're human, right? Sometimes we expect a lot out of them because you're supposed to be my mom, you're supposed to be my dad. And yes, as parents, they should protect us, they should love us, they should do all those things. But the reality is they have their own stories. And I had so much resentment towards my mom because of the sexual abuse that I went through. And not my mom didn't know about it. I didn't tell anybody about my sexual abuse until my 20s, my early 20s. So, but even after I finally admitted it and I started to talk about it, all I ever wanted my mom to say to me was, I'm really sorry that happened to you. But instead, she would listen or she would Um, you know or she would just um, tell me why didn't you tell me and you know and it really hurt a lot that my mom just couldn't be a mother and hug me and cry and say I'm sorry Um, and so for years I was just angry and I never told her I was Um, I would mask it you know but as I started going through counseling as I started going through PTO I started to realize that I really had a lot of resentment towards my mom for this, for this thing. And, um, and one day, um, I started to pray and I realized, like I said earlier, that I had so much expectation for my mom to be this person. And I felt like one day the Lord was like, Audrey, like surrender that to me because I am that for you. You know, your mom is imperfect. And I, had this day where and it was the work of the Holy Spirit because there's no way in my own doing my own strength could I ever think of this or do this but I just had this um this like release of like I surrender my mom to you God I surrender my expectations and I would I just want to like teach me just how to like meet her where she's at and love her and through this I was able to learn that my mom was a victim of sexual abuse too my mom, as a victim, didn't know how to be there for another victim when she's never worked her own stuff, you know. And so, um, and so I surrendered that, and time went on, and then one day my mom, who's now a believer, um, was like, "Hey, I'm going to this conference in, in Beville, our small little town." So the conference was actually like a little in a little um, in a hotel lobby and it was it was not like a conference that you think of but it was still great it, it was just funny because we were expecting like this big conference and it was just this little room with a few people but it was awesome so we show up to this conference me and alexis we drive to to bevel for this and we're in this room and um you know there this lady's giving a, a, a message and then she starts doing this thing called a foot-washing ceremony. And you see this in the, in the New Testament when Jesus, when Jesus goes before he is crucified and he's eating his last meal with his disciples. He goes around, he washes all their feet, right? An act of humility, um, really modeling what it means to be a Christ follower and humble ourselves. And so my mom, this lady, uh, it's all women, was like, hey, uh, we're going to do a foot-washing ceremony. If you want to wash someone's foot or feet, come up here. And so my mom, my, my mom is amazing, but she's not, like, the most, like, sensitive kind of person. She's a very strong Latina woman. And so my mom looks at me, and she's like, let's go. And I was like, wait, what? You, you want to wash my feet? And she's like, yeah, come. And I was like, okay. And I just was shocked. And I was like, okay, fine. So we walk, and I sit in a chair, and she starts to wash my feet. And I look, and I'm like, you got to tell me something. Like, are you going to tell me, like, why you're doing this? And she just looks at me, and then she just starts to cry. And I've, I think I've seen my mom cry one time. You know, like I said, she's a very strong woman. Um, and she just starts to weep. And she just, she just wraps her arms around me, and she says, I'm sorry. <sighs> okay. And she hugs me, and she said, um, I'm sorry that happened, Audrey. Um, I didn't know how to be there for you, because I, I blamed myself for so long. And what I, when I saw my mom, I was so bitter and angry because I thought she was being selfish or closed-minded, but in reality, she was blaming herself for what happened to me. And she hugs me and tells me, I'm sorry, and it happened to me too, and you've been a part of my process of healing, and so I thank you for that. And that was so powerful for me, in a moment in my life I'll never forget. And this is what really showed me The fact that I was able to walk in that and accept my story, accept this is the reality, but God, what do you want to do through it? Only through that was I able to to really surrender those expectations, and not that me doing that is what led my mom. You know, that's all in God's timing, and you know whatever He did, He did. That everyone's different, but for me, that that aspect really brought healing and freedom in my life and because of that i was able to acknowledge and see that god was doing something in my family not just in my life and not to sit here stand here and, and boast about my own works or my own like oh look at me but god has used my um the redemption that he's done in my life and my families and slowly my family has been accepting christ We've been having more honest conversations. I've seen God do just miracles. The other day, my sister, who's never told me she's loved me, texted me at 2 in the morning and just told me she loved me out of nowhere and and thanked me for being a good aunt and said these kind words to me that I never thought I would ever hear from her that I've longed for for so long. And so I see God moving in my family, but I see the fact that when I was able to accept And walk in the opportunity, which I'm going to get into, that God was able to open those doors and not just impact me, but impact my family, impact my nieces. And and I know, God willing, impact my children and their children. And so I don't know what that is for you, but I know for me that I was able to get to that point when I was able to ask for help. The truth is that God didn't create us to do life alone. He didn't. And and I want you to know your story is not my story. Your process isn't going to be my process. We're all different. But the one thing that I know is true is that we can't do it alone. And I want you, if this is more of a practical kind of insert, but something to think, think about is what does that look like for you, right? You have a story. You're sitting here. I'm sure maybe the wheels are turning and, you know, things are coming to mind. Maybe things in your family. Maybe relationships with certain people in your family but what what do you need to get to a point what help do you need obviously the first is God himself right he's the only one that could help us that honest conversation that we can we are able to have knowing that God is always listening that God is we can yell at God we can do whatever God is not afraid of our mess God is not afraid of our questions that that's totally okay to do um, you know for me counseling community um, was huge for me um, I got a mentor <laughs> but for so long I try to do it on my own and one thing that I will say that I stand on today and biblically this is true but God's Word is the most powerful thing that can transform us God's Word that he gives us through the Bible is what teaches us it's what corrects us it's what rebukes us it's what I need daily not that I'm perfect at it by no means but that's where I have found the most healing because that's where I learned more about my father and about God and if we're created in the Bible it says in God's image and his likeness then to know God you know I mean to know ourselves we have to know God right and so think about that for you like what, what is gonna help you get to a point of being able to own your story and to walk boldly in that but knowing that you can't do it alone. Um with 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 Rahab's story um we see in that we see opportunity. Um in Joshua two eight through twelve um we see Rahab um you know acceptance is what gives opportunity for freedom. And so here we have, before the spies went to sleep at night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told me. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in this land is living in terror. And she continues, "Um, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to... to whatever those words are, the two kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the God for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family, since I have helped you. To give me some guarantee that. What comes into, yeah, so, yes, okay. Um, so you see that as as Rahab is speaking to the spies, Rahab is acknowledging, like I said earlier, God's miracles, God's the deliverer. She called on to these spies because she knew their God. She knew about their God. And so one of the things that I, I've taken from this story and I have applied to my own life is that that we have, we're able to receive Christ, we're able to accept our stories, we're able to have opportunity for freedom in that. And one of my favorite quotes that I, just, I think is so true is by A.W. Tozer And The Knowledge of the Holy is, what comes, in, what comes into your minds when we think about God is the most empower thing, powerful thing, I mean the most important thing about us. So what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Yeah, I think that itself is something to think through um, as you leave here and something that I've been able to think through. Like, what do you believe about God? You know, sometimes, a lot of times, we put this limitation on God. We view God as this very small, you know, God or maybe a God that only shows up when we put the work in. Or um, there's a lot of things that we can do to put God in this box. But what do you believe about God, you know? And what do you believe about his character? And something that I, I've been able to take away from all this is that that opportunity for freedom is what gives us, gives us opportunity to learn God's character. And, and so if I want to see change not only in my life, but in the people after me and my families, then I have to believe that God cares about my family, right? If God is a God that is caring and loving, and God is a God that he says he's for all people, then, then I have to believe that God not only cares about Audrey, but God cares about my, the people around me. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you need to know those people maybe that you hate, people that you despise. Well, guess what? God loves them. God cares about them. Maybe the people in your life that you feel are long gone or it's hard to have hope in. Well, the reality is that they belong to God, not to you. And God's timing is God's timing and all that. But we have to learn God's character to know that we have opportunity to walk in the freedom. One of the things that, you know, like I've shared before is that learning more about God's character and knowing that God, not just the New Testament God, right, through Jesus, but the Old Testament God that sometimes can be really fearful, right? You, know, you read the Old Testament, it's crazy the things you read, and it's scary. But that should be what encourages us to know that, that's, that God is a powerful God, that God has all authority of heaven on earth, that God in—he is a powerful God. And there is a fear that we should have of that that should move us to know and pray bold prayers, right? I'm not saying that we should just accept, you know, we should never accept people's behaviors. We can accept them, but we should be praying. We, can, we have now opportunities to pray those bold prayers and we learn more about who God is. And so one of the things, too, that that i um that i just try to live live by day by day is that god's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses that's what it says in god's word that his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses so we should boast more gladly our weaknesses so god's glory can be just be made known and so this shouldn't what i'm sharing today in this message i don't want this to cause this pressure on you to be like oh my gosh I have to do this and I have to go get community and I have to you know go to counseling and I have to like you know acknowledge this and did it no I think that there is so much peace and like a like a like a like a a weight lifted off of us knowing that it's God it's not us and we can be weak and we can be a mess but God is God is God is powerful and the last thing that I want to hit on is obedience, and this to me is something I'm currently learning and walking in today. Gosh, it's a struggle, but what what I um, love about um, you know with with this story in in slide I'm sorry in Joshua two six through seventeen, um, you know we see this is when um, this is when the the, uh, the spies come back and they get to come and they get to, you know, get um, Rahab and that promise that they made to her. And so, um, you know, with this, with this act of obedience, something that crossed my mind as I remember reading through the scripture is I thought about when Rahab went and tied that scarlet red cord, she waited. Imagine that, right? She literally knew that this was life or death. The city was going to be destroyed. People were going to die. I trusted these men to come and save my family and me. And it, wasn't, it didn't happen the next day. It didn't happen the day after that. It took days. I can imagine Rahab waking up every day thinking, are they here yet? When are they coming? I'm sure there's times where Rahab felt like hopeless. I'm sure there's times where Rahab wanted to feel discouraged, wanted to feel like, what if, you know, I made a mistake? What if I was wrong? What if they're not going to come back? But day after day, I'm sure I know that Rahab showed up, and I know that Rahab waited. Um, and so Rahab's obedience, even in this, we see through these scriptures, is that Rahab's obedience looked like her stepping out and in, in, in accepting these spies, Right? Rahab's obedience looked like she took the risk, her own, she risked her life to do this. She could have got caught, you know. She risked her life. And not only that, but she risked her family's life as well. It took obedience to go and tie that 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 scarlet cord and just wait. And so I see that, and I want to encourage y'all that although we can accept our stories, and although that we could, you know, um, walk in those opportunities, learn about God's character. But the reality is, I'm sure most of you in this room might experience, it gets really hard. And it's, it's a process. Sometimes you don't understand the process. Sometimes you want to give up. So many times I've given up. There's many times that I still feel lonely, that I still feel my insecurities, that I still have moments where I'm triggered with the abuse that I've gone through or moments where I think, how can someone love me? Or how can I stand up here and give a message? (laughs) Like I just, but God is constantly teaching me, Audrey, just show up. Just keep showing up. And that is something, you know, um, that I'm constantly learning that, you know, and also faith is not just believing the truth of God's word but faith is provoked by taking actions on those beliefs. And so, like, God doesn't, God isn't a God that makes us do things, right? God gives us a choice. And so one of the things that I love about God, but sometimes I wish God just forced me to do things, right? Um, But the reality is that I'm learning in this process, of not just thinking about myself, but thinking about my family, thinking about the generations that come after me, and every act of my obedience affects those people. Like, what if we took that perspective of being obedient to God and what he calls us, what he nudges us to do through his spirit, what if we took that perspective of the fact that sometimes I don't want to do this, but... What if I I have to because this is what opens the doors and this is what is a stepping stone for my children or for my students I get to serve. Sometimes I make choices based off not my own desires or what I want to do, but I think about the kids that are in my life because those are like my kids' kids. Like kids I get to serve the youth for Christ. I think about them and I make choices based off of I know they're watching me. I know that I'm an example, you know, Um, and so. I, I, I just, I, yeah, I just want you to know that, you know, that that is a process, but God, you know, God, courage to me and what I believe courage, courage is not the absence of fear, you know, courage is looking at fear in the face and still pressing through and showing up. And God's brought me to that place recently when it's come to um, a lot of opportunities of speaking like today or, you know, learning or possibly going back to school Like, I'm, like, a pretty fearful person. I freak out a lot I overthink. But God is putting me in these positions to trust him. And God just keeps saying, Audrey, just keep showing up. Keep showing up and let me do the rest. And I see that act of obedience. Um, And, yeah, and so, um, and I, again, I know obedience is not just about me. But as I talk about the cycles and breaking the cycles, the cycles in our families, the cycles that we've been, you know, we've inherited or what we've been born into in our lives, whether, you know, again, there's a whole lot of things that, that, that falls under, but, but we, we have an opportunity to be the change and to break the cycles through Jesus. Um, and so as I close our time together, um, one of one of the really cool things about there's two things about this story about Rahab and I shared one earlier, but in Hebrews 11:31, um, in Hebrews, um, Paul is writing um, in the New Testament um, about all these people of great faith. It's like the Hall of Fame of people of faith, right? He's mentioning people in the Bible like Abraham and. Moses and David and all these people and all these a lot of uh, mostly men and and so in Hebrews eleven thirty one it says it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with people in her city who refused to obey God for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies so Rahab was in God's word it is in God's word and Rahab is in that hall of fame of people of great faith in, in the Bible, in the Word, it says that after, you know, when Rahab was rescued, that she lived, it says she lives with the Israelites until this day. So she became a follower, that she became a woman of great faith. And I think that is awesome because I think, like, I want, I want my name to be like that. Like, because I want my kids to say one day or my grandchildren or my students to be like, Audrey's faith in God and how I've see, I saw her walk with Jesus that is, like, what helped me and get to where I'm at now. Like, that is, like, the highest honor that I feel like I could have. And, and so think about that for yourself, you know, um, which is so cool. And, and last, um, as I close, is in Matthew 1.5. Um, that's where it goes through the lineage of Jesus. And that's where, you know, that's where pretty much it shares that, you know, Rahab is in, the lineage that she is a part of the Jesus the fact that Jesus came and saved and rescued us and so i think that is encouraging to know because i mean not all of us in this room have crazy stories or tra- traumatic stories maybe like mine but we all have stories we all we all because of sin we are all dead right until we're made alive with Christ through a relationship through repentance and so um, so I just think that is encouraging because it showcases that God can use anybody. God used a prostitute and God can use you. God can use me. God. And and that's just what I wanted to share today um, and hope that that encourages you and and maybe think practically of like what that can look like in your life when it comes to not just thinking about yourself, but, that should be something that should give us a privilege to say that I get to be a part of change, I get to be a part of breaking cycles. But I want to say, and foremost, as Homer comes up, is that, um, is that that can only be done through relationship with Jesus Christ. And um, so, Homer, if you want to come up and share. <laughs>
0: You know, one thing that I think was so moving about Audrey's talk about breaking cycles is even just the fact of her uh, showing us about Rahab, you know, how many times have we stopped ourselves from doing something because we thought we were a product of our experiences? I mean, this woman, do you think at the time that she ever thought that she was going to be anything significant in the world besides just trying to stay alive at that moment? And it shows God's heart in wanting to use us. Wanting to use people that the world wouldn't, would just normally throw away. Imagine what Rahab was like when she, with her family that she saved. Do you think that they were super supportive before that point? Or do you think that maybe those, that, those family members of Rahab constantly belittled her? Do you think that they constantly looked down at her? And all of a sudden, the one that they would never expect anything good to come from is the one that's saving their very lives. And see, even though that her family probably didn't see the potential in her, even at that moment, God saw the potential in her so much that he chose her to carry out the lineage of our Savior. And I want everyone here to close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. And if you're here today and you realize that you're not nothing, that you're not a nobody. Maybe for the first time you realize that God sees you no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, no matter what, what's been done to you. And if you're here and, and maybe for the first time you see God's heart and how he sees you and you want to put your trust in him, put your trust in Jesus, I want you to just raise your hand. Amen. And if you rose your hand to put your trust in Jesus, or if you wanted to, I want you to repeat this prayer after me, because it only takes one step to start something. And the Bible gives us such a clear step to take in the book of Romans. It says, all you have to do to start this is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he rose from the dead. If you start there with your faith, with your words, that's, that's as simple as it has to be. And so if you're ready to do that today, or if you've already put your trust in him, I want you to pray this prayer too as a reaffirmation of your faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I trust you. You died for me on the cross, and you rose from the dead. I felt dead in my life, but I want to feel alive in you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, GraveTop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the GraveTop Church Podcast.